right. Well, this morning we're going to start a, a new series. We're going to be looking at the life of Abraham specifically. We're going to be in Genesis for the next couple of weeks looking at the life of Abraham. Specifically, we're going to be looking at God's promises and Abraham's faith. So for the next couple of weeks, that's going to be the journey we're going to take. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. We're not going to go quite back to the very beginning, but we're going to go pretty close. Now, for those of us who are not Jewish, who are not born into a Jewish family, uh, Abraham, its name we'll hear from time to time. We'll hear in the Bible as we read. We'll hear people. But we may not know a whole lot about him. We may not know the specifics of his life. So think about this for a minute. If you were a part of the early church, right, in the first generation, maybe two, after the crucifixion, and you became a believer in Jesus, and you start meeting together with all these people, the other people from wherever you're at, uh, let's say you're in Asia Minor or something like that, and you've got Jews around you, you've got Greeks, you've got a mix of people, and, and the Jewish people around you are always talking about this guy named Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. They call him Father Abraham. They say we're children of Abraham, right? When you go look at the scriptures, when they would uh, read the genealogy of Jesus in, in Matthew and in Luke, they would, you'd see the name Abraham mentioned. It's a very important name. And then even Jesus himself spoke about Abraham. In one of the parables, he names him when he's talking about Lazarus and the rich man. He names Abraham talks about um, being at Abraham's bosom, being close to Abraham. And then also Jesus said to the Jews who were questioning him when they said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if Abraham was your father, you would do the works of Abraham. And then even Paul speaks about him in, in several of his letters. And he teaches how Abraham was justified by faith. So this is a very important person for us to know about in Scripture. Not only for the Jews, but for us as believers today. Abraham was, a, was the, I would say, the patriarch of the Jewish faith. This is the man that God established a very specific and very personal covenant with. And we're going to discuss a lot of that in the weeks to come. And Abraham's story is, is not just a collection of morals or ethics or conquests and victories. It's really a part of the story, the redemptive story of man, where God chooses to begin a process of redemption that reconciles man's relationship to God. That God starts a process where he reaches out to man to not only stop punishment, but to bless him and give him something that he doesn't deserve. And so in this series, we're also going to explore covenants. We hear that word in church a lot, covenant, covenant, covenant. And then if I were to come up and ask you, well, what, what is a covenant? You say, well, it's kind of like this. What's the difference between a covenant and a contract? We're going to explore those topics over the next couple of weeks. But today, I want to begin with God's calling to a man named Abram, who later we'll get to know as Abraham. So as we read this today, Abram and Abraham are the same person. Abraham is a name he's given later. But for right now, Abram, this is the same person we're going to talk about. So if you will read with me in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now in this passage, what we have here is God literally speaking to Abram. And notice back in verse 1, the very first thing he says to him is, Go from your country. Before God establishes any kind of covenant, any kind of relationship, any kind of promise with him, he calls him out of his current place and into a new one. He calls him away from his father's house who had already died. If you read in uh, chapter 11, verse 32, his father, he calls him away from that house, out from under that authority to go out somewhere else. And the Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I can't help but think that this might be an allusion to being under the domain and the authority at his father's house. Let's think about this real quick. Abraham When I was growing up, I lived in my father's house, right? Whose authority was I under? My father, right? What what do we say to our kids? As long as you're under this roof, right? That's what we say. But I was under his authority. I was under his charge. I was under his headship, his leadership. He was responsible for me, right? But when I left his home, we still have our relationship, but when I left his home, as a man, I took on my own responsibility, right? That's what happened. So with Abraham and his father leaving his father, leaving his home, he's leaving, he's stepping out of that domain, that headship. Well, what's he stepping under? The word of God. Literally, God's words become the new authority In Abram's life. And I can't help but see that this is what God is doing. He's calling him out of his old life. Because his father, the genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. They were under Adam. God was calling Abram out to go under something new. Specifically his words. And notice that it doesn't just say that he just called Abraham to go. It's one thing God came to you and said, hey, I want you to move California. I was trying to think of the worst place on earth. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Texan joke. Uh, If God called you and said, I want you to go, I want you to leave your home and your family behind, and I want you to go to California. That would be hard enough if you knew where you were headed. Going is, is hard enough. Following God in and itself takes a lot of faith. But then to go where he says, to a land that I will show you. Well, where are we going, God? I'll show you. That'd be scary, wouldn't it? That's a lot harder. And think about this. Abram is, we read it in verse 4, he's 75 years old at the time. This is not, uh, this is not God calling some, some young green whippersnapper who just graduated college. He's calling this man completely out of his old life and into a new life. And again, take, responding to God alone takes great faith, but responding when you don't have the end in sight, I think that takes even greater faith. 
And then remember this too, the law has not been given yet, right? God has not given the law to the Jews because there are no Jews yet. There's just Abraham. The law has not yet been given. And yet we're going to see here in the next couple of verses where God says that he's going to bless him, make him a great nation and bless him so that he's a blessing to all people. And yet the law hasn't been given so that we don't know yet, quote unquote, in, in our old covenant mind of thinking, how to please God. But yet God says, I'm going to do this to you. And what we'll see here is that faith is the channel that God uses to bring blessings into the lives of men and women. Faith is the channel that God blesses you through. And he does this immediately to Abraham, right? He does it immediately. When I say immediately, we know some of these blessings took years and years to come, right? Abraham's 75 years old. For those of you who paid attention in Sunday school over the years, you know that he had a kid when he was how old? Right there around 100 years old, right? So that's two and a half decades. God's timing's a little bit different than ours. We're going to see that this series. But then also, too, these blessings are immediate in Abraham's life, but then they echo throughout the centuries, culminating in Christ and are still going out today through the church. He says in verse 2, he says that I will make you a great nation. This message just happened to end up on the 4th of July. I did not intend for that this to be a thing, but I think it's kind of funny. Today we've been thinking about and reflecting on the birth of our nation, right? The birth of our, our history as Americans, as colonists who came over from England who were being mistreated uh, by a king who had no concern for them at all. And eventually we got fed up with it and we rebelled because we wanted freedom, we wanted representation, we wanted equality, we wanted opportunity, and we stood against tyranny. That was how our nation was birthed. It was birthed in massive amounts of bloodshed and sacrifice and loss so that we could become a nation built on principles that would stand the test of time, not based on, uh, based on someone who just happened to be born a king. That was how our nation was born. But for the nation of Israel, we see that God is going to take one man and turn him into a nation. So as Abram's leaving his ancestors' family, he's being called out to go from his father's house to go to a land that God will show him. He's being called to leave his ancestors' family, his culture, and his past. And what does God say here? He says that he's going to make him a great nation, that he will bless him and make his name great so that he will be a blessing. God is going to give him a new family and a new culture and a new future. He's going to take this one man and, and make an entire nation out of him. Now, I don't want us to miss the really, really important stuff here. Because all of this that happened to Abram is completely true. Right? We know that Abram did have a son. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had the 12 sons. Jacob had the 12 tribes of Israel. All of this happens. But I want us to see the parallel between Abram and Christ. I don't want us to miss that. Whenever God took this one man and made him into a nation, God chose to use one man Christ Jesus, and through him bring about an entire nation 
a people holy and blameless before him. The same way God had called Abraham to do this. A people that would belong to him. And that's who we are, church. That's what we're a part of. And God is promising to bless him and the nation that would come. And we know that God blessed Israel. We, we can look back through history and see where God blessed them. Again, physically, where God made them increase in number, increase in wealth and productivity. But again, also, this is not just the physical lineage, although that is a big part of it. But if we don't see the spiritual, we're missing out on this. It's not that God just blesses a people. But God creates a blessed people. That is what God is instituting here through Abraham. And we are a part of that. We are connected to that today. All of this leads to Christ Jesus, which has led to you, and you are living in that blessing today and the blessings to come. Now again, not only would Abraham and the nation receive blessing, they would be a blessing to others. They would be bringing blessing to people. And we can see that as as part of the church and what we are doing today, right? When you look at all the things that our churches are a part of, when we we feed people, when we give to uh, the needy, whenever we help the homeless, whenever we do those things in our communities, but also what other blessings does the church give out? More important than any of the physical blessing is the blessing of Christ Jesus, yes? Is the blessing of calling dead people to life in Christ and being a blessing to them and sharing that with all the peoples of the world. And so remember, you say, again, his name would be great. God does things differently than we do. You've got this 75-year-old man who is childless. And God says, I'm going to make your name great. You almost kind of want to hold up your hand and say, God, don't you realize I I retired 10 years ago? Like, if you were going to make me great, you've you've had decades to do that already. Why didn't you do that? Because God doesn't do things on our timeline. He doesn't do things the way we do them. We like to put God in a box sometimes. We like to say, God, we're going to give God this window to kind of do something. We, we pray for something, we long for something, we have a dream of something. We're going to, we may not say to God, God, you got until this day and I'm giving up. But there's a lot of prayers in our life that we long for and dreamt of and hoped for. But when they didn't get answered in our time frame, we just let them go and gave up on them. Because we figured if God didn't answer it by now, He's never going to answer it for us. We think that we know better than him. We think that, God, if you were going to do it, you should have done it then because that's when I wanted it. And the Lord continues talking to Abram. He says in verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth will be blessed. Notice that as as God has chosen to bless Abram, there's a very personal nature to this promise. He says that I will bless those who bless you. And those who dishonor you, I will curse. What, What does this kind of sound like God is doing? 
it may sound strange to say this, but it almost kind of sounds like God is taking Abraham's side, right? Or God is putting Abraham on his side. It's actually the case, but still. But God is siding with Abraham. God is taking his, when God chooses him, he is putting his blessing on him. And whoever joins with God in that, he will bless with him. But whoever stands against God in this, he will curse him. And again, we might think, well, this is just God, him choosing them as the Jewish people. No, this is also him choosing to bring salvation to the world through this. And when you are sided with Abraham, when you are a believer in Christ, you become a child of Abraham's by faith. That's something we're going to get into in a couple of weeks real deep. But those who bless Abraham, God blesses because you become one of the children of the man that God chose to bless. And that blessing and that promise is yes and amen. But those who stand outside of that blessing are already cursed. God will not stand for those who reject what he has chosen to do. So God has brought Abraham to himself, and for anyone to stand against him in that way would make themselves an enemy of God. And I want us to see here also that God shows how this blessing, this covenant with Abram, will extend to all people groups. Whenever we talk about the Jews as Christians, we say the Jews are God's what? Chosen people. Church, are you God's chosen people? You are God's chosen people as the church. This is not just a blessing on the physical, biological children of Abraham. It is a blessing on them, but it doesn't limit itself to that. The blessing that's deeper and more true comes through the spiritual children of Abraham, which is who you are as believers in Christ And this shows us how God is going to bless all people groups. Because if the Jews were the only chosen, blessed people of God, well, that's bad news for me because I wasn't born Jewish. What what am I going to do? Right? But being, being a believer, being one of Abraham's children is far beyond just the physical heritage and blood lineage. Again, this points us beyond the physical into the spiritual. And I want us to see why God would do this. We're going to explore. I have a lot of questions to ask us over the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at, as God leads Abraham through the land of Canaan, why God sent him to Canaan in the first place. We're going to explore a lot of tough questions. And so we said, well, why would God do this? Why would God choose this man? Why would God say he's going to establish and bless him and make him a nation? What is all this leading to? Right? Okay, it's great that God did that. I believe that. He chose him. He's going to bless him, make him a nation. Why? Again, God's timeline is not like ours. God doesn't always speak everything all at once. Right? When you became a believer in Christ Jesus... And your mind was renewed. You were given the Holy Spirit. You had a new heart. Did you instantly know everything about how to walk as a believer? No, you're learning and growing. God is continuing to reveal things to you. 
And he did this with, with Israel as well back in the Old Testament. If you uh, look in Exodus 29, I believe we have the scripture here. We can put it on stage or on, uh, on the screen. Exodus 29, thank you. So Exodus 29 links together and talks about why God would do this. Now remember, Israel are, is the blood lineage children from Abram, the people that he created a nation to be and bless them. And he says in Exodus 29, now this is mm, about two years after they've been freed from Pharaoh, that they've been delivered from him. And it says, God says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. You see, what God's plan was, was not only to fix the broken relationship from Genesis, right? We all know what happened whenever we sinned. We broke that relationship. God's plan was not just to fix the relationship as it was, but it was actually to make it better and to restore and go beyond our original blessing. When we look at Genesis chapter 1 in creation, we know that God made them man and woman in his image. He made them. And he put them in the garden, and it says in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 28, I don't believe we have the slide for this, but it doesn't matter, I only want to quote a couple of words. Genesis 1, 28 says, and God blessed them. He put them in the garden, and he blessed them. When you go back and read the creation account, over and over and over, God says, and it was good, 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 and he blessed them. And he told him, go be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. God's plan is always to be good to us. Because he is good. So what he does is good. He does who he is. What he does comes from who he is and he is good. And he made us to enjoy his goodness and so that he could be good to us. We're the ones who messed it up. So what God is doing is God's taking the initiative to reach out to us and, and, and establish a covenant with us. Not a contract. Short story, the difference between covenants and contracts. A contract is we enter into an agreement, right? I will do this, you will do that. And if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, what happens with the contract? Void. We're done. You get to walk away. The difference in a covenant is when I establish a covenant with you, when you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I hold up mine. And in fact, I'll absorb the debt that you incurred on my end of the bargain. The difference between a covenant and a contract. God, our God, is a God of covenant. He establishes everlasting covenants. And again, this covenant was, was he blessed us in the first place. Now, let's go back and look at another covenant real quick. We call it the Noahic Covenant. We all remember the story of Noah, right? We have, we have this man named Noah. He's a righteous man who walked with God and found God's favor. Therefore, we know he walked by faith. If you want to look that up, uh, Hebrews 11.6, for it is impossible to please God without faith. Noah walked by faith then. If he pleased God, he was walking by faith. 
God decides he's going to strike down all the flesh of the earth because of the sinfulness of man. When we sinned, the earth was cursed. So God tells Noah to build an ark, fill it with a certain number of animals, bring his family inside. Noah believes him and obeys him because he believes him. And afterwards, the flood comes and then the flood goes. I'm giving you a very fast overview of this. So afterwards, Noah goes to make a sacrifice. And God makes this covenant with Noah. And he says, never again will I curse the ground because of man's sin. If we look in Genesis 8, I believe we have the slide here for this as well. Never again would he curse the ground because of man's sin. And never again would he strike down every living creature as he had done. The covenant you see was God decided he was going to hold back his curses. God was going to hold back what we had rightfully incurred upon ourselves, which was death. God decides, I'm going to hold this back. If you'll go to the next slide here. I want to look at the difference between the Noahic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant. Real quick on the screen, if you'll notice this. In the Noahic covenant, God promised not to destroy because of our sin. He promises not to curse. He is holding back his judgment. This is what we would call mercy. I have mercy on you when I don't punish you the way you should. The difference with Abraham, the covenant he enters is God promises to bless. With Noah, he's holding back his cursing. With Abraham, he's giving forth his blessing. This is what we call grace. You don't deserve what you're getting, but you are being given this. Mercy is I don't punish you. Grace is I am giving to you. I am blessing you. So these are the differences between these two covenants that God established with. With Noah, he was not bringing in new life. He was just holding off punishing death. With Abraham, he is going to bring new life into the picture. So looking at verse 4 here, I want to start wrapping it up and get to, the, get to the, the crux of the matter. So Abraham went. If we could summarize this whole uh, sermon, this passage today, I would say in just a couple of words, the Lord said, go. So Abraham went. God calls this man to leave his current life for a new life with him and a new home. And without revealing every detail, God promises to make him a nation, to bless him, to make his name great, and make him a blessing to all peoples. And he will be with him. The Lord personally sides. Those who bless you, I'm going to bless. Those who curse you, I'm going to curse. And Abraham went. It is faith that moved Abraham to believe God and then walk in that faith with him. To walk into that new life as God called him to the land that God would show him. And so in the weeks ahead, again, we're going to be looking at some of the great acts of courage and faith that Abraham walked in. We're also going to see some acts of cowardice and fear that Abram walks in as well. But we'll notice that God gives a calling and makes a promise and Abraham begins to walk in it and God progresses things, right? Takes care of him. We'll see also whenever God gives Abram a calling and then he doesn't respond in faith. He responds in fear or in cowardice. What happens? 
God keeps carrying him. God doesn't abandon Abram the first time he walks in fear. But God made this promise, I'm going to bring this about, and that's exactly what he does in Abram. So let me ask you this. How is God calling you today? For those of you who don't believe in Christ Jesus, I can tell you right now with 100% certainty, God is calling you to believe in his son, Christ Jesus. But for those of us who do believe, he might be calling us to take a new step of faith, to a new career, to a new season, to a new relationship, to new dreams, to new hopes. Where is he calling you? You say, well, how, how can I know? How can I know where God's calling me? You can listen. Seek wise counsel. You can pray. Read scripture. You can fast. You can seek the Lord. There's a number of things you could do to confirm what you feel God is calling you to. Because I promise you this, he is calling you. He's calling you to something. Whether he's calling you in the home to be a better father or a mother, whether he's calling you to follow in, in a career or in your friendships, whether he's calling you in, in any different area, what I want to encourage you all is to listen to him, to hear what he's saying, not what you want him to be saying, to hear what he is saying, to trust him with what he is saying, and to believe and that what he is telling you to do is where you need to be. And so however he is calling you, I encourage you all to walk by faith with him. Just like Abraham did. To believe in him and take that first step in faith. And to walk into a land unknown, but to know that you're walking arm in arm with your shield and your savior, savior whose promises are yes and amen. Church, will you pray?